Hello and welcome. My name is Tom, and this is the Enthusiasm Project, episode number eighteen. And today I've got a whole bunch of half thoughts that I want to go over. And basically, <laughs> what I mean by half thoughts is that uh, they're thoughts I sort of half had, which is. If you listened to last week's kind of rambling episode, which was basically just updates about things that are going on, uh, one of the things that I kind of talked about was that since it is summer break, uh, I wanted to spend some time really beefing up my YouTube channel. And I thought that instead of me just doing that in silence, that maybe sharing some of that process might be interesting or helpful, especially if you're you have a channel or you want to start one or you're just kind of curious about how people do their channels and I'm sure everyone's recipe is different. For me, one of the things that I decided to do since I have the time is I scheduled a consult with Tim Smoyer's video creators team um, and I have that tomorrow morning. You're hearing this on Sunday. I'm recording it on Wednesday. So yeah, by the time you're hearing this, I'll have probably already have had that consult, but I wanted to record this before because I want to do a recap afterwards where I can at least catalog all the thoughts and all the feedback, but also so that anyone who's kind of thought about doing that or is sort of curious about it might have a little more insight into it because I've never done anything like that before. It's a little bit pricey, but from what I've heard, it's definitely worth it and it seems... It seems like that. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. So when I say I've had these half thoughts, I've sort of been going over uh, a couple of things I wanted to talk about and share, but I didn't want to, like, as I'm just having the thoughts, I didn't want to dive into them too fully because I didn't want to, um, I, didn't, I didn't want to have the thoughts. I wanted to have them here where I could explore them more fully because sometimes when you try to think about something and you go, you go really into it and then you try to like recap it or recapture that and you just can't really do it. So I figured I would just do that here because in preparing for the consult tomorrow, it's just been, it's made me be very introspective on what I'm doing and what my goals are, which is a good thing because I want to be as prepared You get an hour long. I want to make the most of my time. I don't want to spend you know, the first 15 minutes just trying to get oriented with what's going on. So I've been trying to figure out how these, how these consults work. From what I understand, one of the things they start off with is sort of asking you what your value proposition is to your audience and who your target audience is in really, really specific detail, like not just very generic terms like, uh, males aged 18 to 35 who live in the United States, but, you know, really specific types of people that would be interested in whatever it is that you're making, because that's going to help you, even though it does eliminate, uh, it does eliminate, you know, a lot of people from being interested in whatever you're sharing. It makes it so the people who would be interested in it are really interested in it. At least that's kind of what I gather. So I've been sort of thinking about that kind of stuff. I feel like personally that I'm on a pretty good track so far. But I think it could be better, and I want to make it better, and I want to go through that that whole process. So I was kind of thinking about that, and I've been trying, <laughs> I've been trying, trying really hard to actually like also just have summer break where I'm not just working on stuff and doing projects. That stuff's really fun, but you know, you kind of just need time to sit and relax. So I, I've been doing that at least a little bit. And one of the things that I was doing yesterday. As I was having all these thoughts about 
authenticity and what do you want to provide was I, we can call it a mistake, I made the mistake of clicking on the YouTube trending page, which isn't really somewhere I normally go. And I know lots of people have brought up issues with the trending page, like what does it even mean for something to be trending? Is it like, you know, views don't really seem to account for it. Everything on the trending page has lots of views, but it's not like the number one thing is the most viewed thing. It's sort of, I'm guessing there's, you know, I don't know. I don't really know what goes into it. I've heard rumors that the trending page is based on an algorithm, but I've heard others that it's based on like staff picks, essentially, like whatever YouTube thinks should be promoted. And an issue that I have as someone who creates on that platform is that the trending page, you know, the rare times that I look at it, it just sort of seems like corporations like it, it's just a bunch of late night clips and music videos and like it's not it's not a lot of just people making their own thing but you know that that's kind of an age-old thing so what I wanted to do was I wanted to go through the trending page today with you on this podcast and kind of describe what I'm seeing and I think that's gonna help dive into like some of these feelings I've been having so one of the core values that I have as, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably know it, is the idea of authenticity and being genuine. I think that that is really just important. It doesn't really matter if you're trying to teach people something or entertain them or whatever. There's like a genuineness of what you're doing. If you think of like those stereotypical things where there's, you know, a Hollywood actor or actress or whatever, and they seem super nice. And then you, you know, someone runs into them at a restaurant or whatever, and they're totally rude and mean and awful. Like, that kind of thing, you know, a children's TV star that ends up hating kids, like basically, I don't want to call it fakeness, but, you know, a facade. I, I, I don't like that. And I think YouTube is so valuable at removing that and letting people express, share, do whatever they want. So I don't know that the trending page does that very well. So I'm going to click on it right now. I haven't looked at any of these uh, before. So here we go. And this is today, uh, what is it, June 19th? Okay, so the number one video on trending right now is a James Charles video. Uh, the number two video is Simone Gertz. She turned her Tesla into a pickup truck, <laughs> which is really cool. Uh, the number three is a video from Game Theorists, which I don't, I honestly don't even understand. It's a bunch of initials. FNAF was right. Bodysuit works. I, I don't, I honestly don't even know what that is. But the first video, the James Charles one, has 4.1 million views. The Simone Gertz one has 2.3 million. The Game Theorist one has 1.6 million. So it's clearly there's, you know, a lot of, there's just a lot of views. <laughs> um, then there's a documentary trailer for, I think, think a hip-hop artist that passed away i'm not sure triple x 10 t i don't know there's a thing that there's taylor swift's you need to calm down video with 34 million views um there's dope or nope team edge there, there's just a whole bunch of let's see and then there's the daily show there's dude perfect it's like a lot of the big there's no there's really not any independent creators that i can see all then it's a bunch of there's literally from like the Fortnite channel, from Fox Soccer, from Clash of Clans, uh, from, that's kind of a cool one, How Air Traffic Control Works from Wendover Productions, which is a channel I actually know. There's the Try Guys, Binging with Babish, Gus Johnson, very well-deserved. 
Uh, okay. So here's here's why I kind of wanted to look through that, which is almost everything I see on the trending page is either just super duper polished corporate stuff or extremely sensationalized things. So, you know, just looking at the thumbnail for the James Charles thing, it's a close up of like his face with a bunch of makeup and the makeup is very well like it's well done but it's also overdone but i think that's what that whole kind of it doesn't really look like a human i'm just gonna say that the simone gertz one i kind of appreciate that more it literally just says truckla it has a picture of her tesla truck she's super genuine i feel like that that kind of works um then you've got you you've got a lot of exaggerated facial expressions so just in the top 15 or 20 i mean one two three four you know half of the videos at least have someone that looks like a character off a cartoon cereal box with like their mouth wide open and just like oh my gosh what this is crazy um you know the titles have lots of exclamation points some titles are all caps words are all caps there's question marks everywhere uh there's a lot of just sort of stuff smashed into like if we go up to simone simone gertz who obviously like i'm seriously biased her thumbnail is a picture of the car or the truck and it has one word on it that says truckla and that's it some of these other ones there's like so much photoshopping going on not just in people but i mean like in all these different elements coming in you've got words you've got faces, you've got backgrounds, you've got explosions, you've got arrows, uh, you've got sunbursts, you know, which is all just to, to get somebody's attention and make them click on it, which is, you know, it totally makes sense. The thumbnail is like the most important thing for your video to get someone to click on it. These are all on trending. So clearly these techniques work when you do something that's just crazy sensational or like, you know, the other things are people that don't seem to have a lot of clothes on get a lot of clicks. So you know, that's a thing too. But there's not a lot of like average everyday person stuff on here, which, you know, that's clearly what people want. Then if this is on trending, I guess, is things that they couldn't do in their average life. But for a platform that excels at letting anybody share their story, to me, I find it kind of a bummer and I don't know what goes on the trending page. But if I look at it as a glimpse into what people view YouTube as as a whole, it's kind of like it kind of bums me out a little bit because it doesn't feel it doesn't feel genuine to me and it's almost like this distorted reality that exists where if you remember when Steve Jobs uh was alive and would unveil Apple products people said Steve Jobs had the reality distortion field where you know he could show you something that had a clear flaw, but the way he would present it would just make you think that, no, it's perfect, or it's supposed to be like that, or I want it to have that flaw. This isn't that kind of reality distortion field, but it's a distorted reality in the way that, like, uh, like you know, fashion magazines at the grocery checkout line are, where it's like you see these people, and they look, you know, like perfection of humanity but there's so much being done there that like even the people in those photos don't actually look like that in real life because there's so much airbrushing and touch up and makeup and you know that was probably on a day where they had 
just been in the middle of a crazy workout session or workout plan and diet plan because they knew there's a photo shoot coming up and there's you know it's not that there's not a basis in reality like obviously like a famous movie star athlete or whatever is going to be in good shape and probably is going to be like you know a good looking person but it's taken over the top to a point where then the average person looks at it and goes oh, that's not me. That can never be me because I don't have, like, that's just not me at all. It's like, it's not you, but it's also not even them. And that's kind of, like, this is just stuff where part of it is clearly escapism. So, like, when you want to see someone cut their Tesla in half and turn into a pickup truck, very few people can do that. Not only do they not have the resources or, like, the engineering ability, but you probably don't have access to a budget that would let you do something like that. (laughs) When you, you know, there's one here that says, like, there's a thumbnail from the Ace family. It's uh, 4.5 million views uploaded yesterday and all caps. It says new construction at the Ace family house. I don't know what the Ace family is. I'm guessing it's a family channel. Uh, the thumbnail is a picture of a big mansion, a two-story mansion, very modern and beautiful. Then there's photoshopped people kind of with a glowy white outline that like have that, you know, oh my gosh, mouth open facial expression with also then a photoshopped bulldozer which looks like it's going to tear down this beautiful house. So now I don't know. Is that clickbait? If I click on that, like, is their mansion getting torn down or are they just like, you know, expanding a bedroom? I don't know. But I know that the average person doesn't live in a house like that, doesn't then, you know, do construction and tear down a house like that. So if you want to click on that, you want to see and experience something that you don't normally have access to. Uh, Let me look up something else or just keep kind of going through here um, for things like that. Oh, let's go to the opposite direction. Let's look at Gus Johnson's. Uh, He's in like, he's like number 30 on trending right now. He had a video called My Pool, which is just like his Midwestern dad character who tries to explain why he likes his pool and ends up basically drowning in it. It's just like a small four minute comedy sketch. The thumbnail is just, there's no text, there's no photoshopping, it's just a screenshot from the video of him like kind of half drowned in the pool. It's not super appealing, but it fits his brand perfectly. And that that works because, yeah, I obviously like I don't know Gus Johnson, but knowing him as a personality and the way that, you know, anyone who watches his channel could... It seems like this is the same thing he would have done if he had eight subscribers or if he's on the YouTube trending page. That feels a little bit more genuine and authentic. You know, you go up to something like Binging with Babish. He's up here doing Huevos Rancheros uh, from Breaking Bad. Cool. Okay. He's been doing the same basic, even even when he kind of expanded and his channel blew up and a whole team was brought in. He's basically been doing the same ideas, food from TV shows and movies and that's what this is. And of course, Breaking Bad, super popular. So it makes sense that people would want to see that and click on it. Um, so it's not that everything on the trending page is bad. It's just so much like here's one, Nikki and Gabby, 2.7 million views. I have no idea what this channel is, but it's swapping boyfriends on vacation. Of course, now there's a very like, I don't know what the word would be. They don't have a lot of clothes on in the thumbnail. And it says like boyfriend swap and everybody looks shocked. Wow. like. I don't know. That's, to me, this is not representative. So, okay. 
instead of just trashing people who are like more successful than me on YouTube, what it kind of goes through is when you're looking, what I'm looking for values that I have for my uh, specific channel, these aren't them. This sensationalism, most of this, this sensationalism, the like over the topness, the clickbaitiness, the, you know, you, I, I don't even understand what's happening in half of these videos. Cool. So it's not that those are bad. Those are fine. It's just one of those things where that's what I don't want to do and become. And it, it gets kind of tricky when you're sort of looking at what you do want to do because this was kind of a half thought that I had that sort of leads into this, which is I think that there are a lot of people on here. So, okay, just since she's number two and I'm familiar with her channel, Simone Gertz, her truckla thing. Even though she's hosting the video, even though it's her journey, even though it's her idea, there's clearly an entire team and she doesn't hide that. You know, there's people who help her film the videos, edit the videos. Obviously, in a case like this where you're chopping and modifying a car, <laughs> you know, there's a team of, there's just a whole team of people to make this giant thing happen that took a really, really long time. Cool. That's fine. We're watching the video or watching a team project. I think there's lots of people, and I know that there's even many that I am subscribed to and channels that I watch where they have that whole team helping them put things together, but they don't acknowledge the team. And it that is really frustrating to me because when you're in the position of trying to start a channel or build something or figure out what direction you want to go, that's tricky because it, it goes back to the supermarket tabloid thing where like, you're watching a video that somebody made and you're like, wow, this person filmed this thing and then they edited it on their computer and then they uploaded it. And it's amazing. Like, why can't I make anything that amazing? And it's not that you couldn't, but it's also like that person can't make anything that amazing. They might be super talented at filming and editing and upload whatever, but to do that with the consistency and the volume that they do, they oftentimes have at least one other person, if not a whole team, if not, you know, somebody from YouTube reaching out to them, if not brand people, like there's a whole back end, you know, business behind a lot of these channels that come off as sort of like, oh, shucks, I'm just uploading videos without any real thought put into it. And that is really frustrating because it's the same sort of thing of people aspire to something that doesn't exist in the way that they think that it exists. And I think personally, that can be kind of so to take it back then away from just criticizing, because we could just do, it's easy to criticize stuff. Because even the, even like if I were to go through the trending page and find the video that I think is the worst, which they're not all bad. There's some like good videos on here. But if I found the one that I think is the worst, still a lot of time, energy, and effort went into it, even if it's not something that I particularly like. But my point in doing that is, the trending page is, is a lot of like the stereotype of when people who who aren't super familiar with YouTube or what people make on YouTube think of it and you go there, it's just kind of that. Everything is exaggerated. Everything is sensationalized. Everything is over the top. And I don't know how representative that is of the platform as a whole. I don't think it's it's bad. There's going to be some of that. And there's clearly a massive market for it. But I think that there's a lot of people, you know, if I go through, for example, my own subscription feed, things are different. Like, you know, the first thing that pops up, because the most recent video that's been uploaded, or at least that I've gotten a notification for is from Thomas Heaton, who's a landscape photographer. 
and he has a video about landscape about minimal landscape photography that just has a very clean image of a camera in front of a landscape taking a picture with the word minimal written on it. There's another one from Maddie Hopoya who's um, started daily vlogging and it's just a picture of him holding a drone. It says, I'm giving away my drones. And the video talks about new drone laws in Canada that make it really hard to fly drones. There's a lot more... Um, there's just a lot more humanity here. So, and, and kind of going through those, Thomas Heaton, the, the number one or the most recent video on my subscription feed, he films and edits all his own things, does his own things. Maddie Hopoya has an editor, but is super clear on like, I film, uh, he edits, we edit, like there's, there's help being done there. Um, let me go down my subscription feed some more. There's most, there's a few places like The Verge, um, or draw with Jazza that, or yeah, or the Dodo <laughs> that I'm subscribed to, or the Try Guys even, where it, it's clear that there's more of a team going on there. And so they're creating something that probably just the average person by themselves won't be able to put together. But the individuals here, there's like a Potato Jet video, there's Ian Corzine, there's, uh, let's see, who else? Let me just kind of go back into the same, the same people. Um, they're people that that make film, make edit their own videos. And I don't know how serious they are about, you know, coming up with ideas. I don't know how much of a business it is, but it seems to be a lot more authentic. But that's just my view too. That's only that's what I see through my subscription feed, which is not the same thing as what other people see. So the point is, if you're trying to develop or if I'm trying to develop a strategy for my channel, you can't just look at everything and try to like incorporate everything that's working. You really need to think about what works for you. So for me, regardless of what I want to do, I want to make videos that are interesting and teach people something because that's what I'm good at doing. But I also want them to be at least enjoyable, if not somewhat entertaining. So, you know, here's a video about a piece of gear or a digital media technique you're going to leave that video knowing about something, knowing how to do something that you didn't know when you started it. And the video is going to be well made. And along the way, you'll add, you'll, maybe you like chuckled a couple times or at least it was entertaining enough that you didn't click away to watch something else. You know, that's kind of the basic goal. So to think of like who that person's going to be, it's probably not going to be most 12-year-olds. It's probably not going to be most... 68 year old women like you know there there is a specific target audience and so in thinking of mine what i've been kind of thinking for my target audience and what i will brainstorm right now uh this is all pre-consult with video creators is not teenagers <laughs> because that is my day job is to teach teenager stuff and as much as i enjoy working with teenagers and you know i'm happy if if a teenager watches my channel and enjoys it that's not the target audience because that's a whole different world that I I like to not have to deal with in in my channel. Not you know not in a bad way, but it's just there's a different energy, a different level of competency, a different level of ability when you're dealing with teens. So okay, not teenagers. So probably somebody around my age. I'm 33 years old, so maybe people in their mid 20s, in their 30s, maybe you know 40s, like kind of that that point where you have, you're a little bit more settled down, 
you're probably kind of, you know, busy <laughs> with work and family or whatever, but you, you've got some stability. You've probably, you know, you're probably somebody who has, you know, at least a little bit of extra money at the end of the month. So if you want to, so you'd be looking at a camera review or a lens review, because if you are completely broke, you might not be wanting to talk about buying, you know, expensive camera gear and stuff. So maybe you need to, you know, so maybe that that would be something in a target audience person would be somebody who would be looking for those things because, you know, they have a little bit of disposable income or there's probably somebody who, like me, has the urge to make stuff and wants to create something and maybe even more so like me up until two years ago where I would watch YouTube and I would think these things are awesome and I think these people are great and I wanted to do what they were doing and I just wish that there was a way not fully realizing that YouTube is just free. It's just a Google account. Like you just sign up for it and it's free and that's the end and you can just do it right now. <laughs> uh, and so kind of helping people to get over that uh, hurdle would be a good thing for a channel. So, you know, so there you go. You have someone in a specific age range. I mean, according to my YouTube analytics, most of my audience is male, but I feel like there's equal, like... I don't think that there's a gender disposition to somebody who wants to make stuff with digital media. That could probably be anybody. But again, you know, somebody who has the energy, the drive, at least the curiosity of nothing else to kind of explore these things, that's probably somebody who's more in the range of my target audience, which you know, I, 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 the reason I'm so interested in this is because I fought against this idea for so long of like having a target audience and having a strategy because I thought that YouTube should be so pure and authentic. And as soon as you put a strategy behind it, you lose that authenticity. And I don't think that that is true. I think you can, I don't think that's true any longer. I think you can find a good balance. And so target audience I think, at least for me, has kind of a negative connotation where you think of like a corporation where like this is our target audience or, you know, Facebook ads that drill down and they know exactly what you're looking at. So then they need to show you this ad to get you to, you know, you're just a means for a widget to be shipped or whatever. And I think that in this context, target audience more accurately refers to like, who are you making this video for? So in a lot of ways, I'm making the videos for myself not just literally because I enjoy making them, but I'm making them for me, somebody who is me, uh, finding them and going like, oh, dang, like I really like this because I and because it speaks to me and I relate to it. And so you do have to kind of be really specific in that way, which might turn other people off from it. So target audience is just finding that those people that are going to resonate the most with what you're making or what I'm making. And and then as I make videos, which can often be hard. I know this like at school, sometimes I'll give out projects or I don't really do it as much anymore, but I used to every once in a while, I'd give out a project that I think was the coolest thing in the world. It would sort of be like a free-for-all, like create something. And I was like, oh, how cool is this? And students oftentimes struggle with that project so much because there was no restriction other than like a deadline, like you know, two weeks or whatever to do this project. And that was where I kind of realized that you need some restraint for your creativity to really flourish a lot of the time, maybe not every time. But as soon as you say like, you can make anything you want, 
That's too much. Okay. It needs to be a video. Okay. A little more specific. It needs to be a minute long. Okay. Now we're getting there. It needs to include a visual effect of some kind. As soon as you start kind of narrowing down, like I'm talking about the assignment, but narrowing down these things, then it was easier for creativity. You kind of need to give walls for ideas to bounce off of. Otherwise, it's really hard for anything to happen. And so having a target audience doesn't necessarily, I don't think, limit your creativity or your authenticity. I think it gives you those walls where now you can bounce your ideas around it. So you can still make the video you want to make. If I want to make a video about a piece of camera gear or a technique or whatever, cool, that's fine. How do I take this information or this topic and filter it so that this person who is in my target audience will connect to it and will relate to it. I, you know, I'm still figuring out how to do that, but that at least sort of gives some structure and some constraint where otherwise it could just be a free-for-all forever. And that is one of the most helpful things in terms of having a target audience. And it's also tough because one of the one of the reasons that I like exploring this on this podcast is because it's kind of like you know, this is basically saving gallons of water because otherwise these are the conversations that I'd be having with myself like in the shower where you just sort of process things, you know, in those situations. But by doing it this way too, I think it's kind of cool, you know, if you're listening to this and this is at all interesting, I think that it is helpful to hear how others go through things. Plus personally, based on at least what I've discovered so far and what I've talked about so far, I like the idea of being as transparent as possible with how I approach strategy with my YouTube channel because I I want because I think that that just makes it clear what's happening like I've had people leave comments on videos where they'll say like oh this is all clickbait and you're clearly sponsored by this company and you're trying to like drive and it's, I'm like none of that is true <laughs> um and you know that person that random person that found the video has no way of knowing that I guess if they didn't you know actually read or listen or pay attention but we do live in a world where those kinds of things are not uncommon that's why I railed against that tripod a few weeks ago the peak design tripod not because it was necessarily a terrible top to bottom tripod but because they they embarked on this disingenuous social media influencer campaign that did not provide the clearest picture. And and that kind of thing, I have talked about this before, but that sort of thing, that that lack of authenticity is one of the things I think people struggle with the most on YouTube, especially when they're trying to make a living off of it, which luckily right now I have, we can call it, uh, and this, this could go for anyone who's, who's not a full-time YouTuber or not making money on YouTube, we'll call it a luxury and that we don't have to worry about it. So you hear those things like adpocalypse and the demonetization, whatever, you're like, ah, it doesn't really matter because that's not where I make my money. But for people who do that and who need that, you know, they, they have to find this weird balance. And a lot of times people's channels do start because they are somebody who just wanted to make videos about something. And it did start in that really pure, simple authentic way and then as things grew they needed to adapt and become basically a business person when a lot of people just weren't prepared for that and you know maybe they get help or they know how to you know they can manage it and some people do it very well but I think a lot lot of other people also really struggle with it and 
How do you say no to a brand deal that is very lucrative? And that that's why you then end up with these videos. I'm going to lean towards tech because that's my realm and that's, you know, a lot of the stuff I watch comes from. But, you know, a new camera will come out and my subscription feed is just filled with review after review of that same camera, which are often posted on the same day. And it's like, okay, great. And then they'll say like, is this the best camera ever? Like if you're, you know, the perfect YouTube camera, oh my gosh. And they'll make this video where they talk about how this camera is super amazing. And then they don't uh, use it anymore ever. And that's that paradigm where it's like, or paradox, I should say, where it's like, I don't really care about the camera you're telling me is the best camera for YouTube. I care about the camera you're using to film the camera that you're telling me. Like, there's so many things in terms of reviews like that where people say, like, this is what I use and that's what I use. And it's like, okay, but do you actually? Because you seem to use a totally different thing that you actually use every day. And when I first got into that kind the, that kind of content on YouTube and, and just watching it, one of my favorite things was this, when they started to be popular years ago was like, what's in my bag videos, which could be like a camera bag or just a tech backpack. I thought they were awesome. You watch someone, they make a bunch of videos and finally they're like, oh, this is what I carry with me. I got so many good ideas from those videos where, you know, someone might point out like, oh, this hard drive is really good because it can bounce around in a bag and take some shocks and not crash. Cool. Awesome. I need a new hard drive. I want one that doesn't crash. That seems like a great choice. There's one video I remember. I think it was from your average consumer. And he talked about a tech survival kit. And it was just like, there's a super cheap, like $5 case on Amazon. You can buy it. You put these kinds of, you know, put these adapters in it, put some headphones in it, put, you know, whatever, like these sort of essentials in it. And I was like, oh, what a good idea. Instead of trying to piece together all these things that are just mixed in a bag, just to have this little case that has everything that I need no matter what. And I've had that in my bag every single day for years, which obviously like I added my own things and items to it. But that's life changing. Even going on a trip, I know I can just take that little survival kit, throw it in a bag and I'm good to go. Those were the things like I learned so much. And then what started happening was people started doing the what's in my bag videos every month. <laughs> and you're like, oh, is it really that different? But every month they had an entirely different setup, like different bag, different gear, different whatevers. And then you start realizing, oh, these are sponsored videos. And it's all sponsored content. And uh, are like, maybe you're using this stuff. Maybe you're not. But, you know, you're going to tell me about a new hard drive or backpack every month, that's cool. I'm not buying a new hard drive or backpack every month. I need one that's going to last for like years. So like what is the actual good one to get? And it, it's become harder and harder to get that information. And part of the reason is because I think a lot of people who find themselves making that sort of content don't know how to navigate that. They present things as being so authentic and so real when really it isn't as much. And they're not necessarily as upfront with that, which I know people are pretty, uh, I don't know what you would call it, pretty obsessive about, you know, hashtag ad and this was paid for and this was, but I don't think the level of, it's one thing to say like, yes, this company sent me this thing and I love it and I'm using it and it's amazing versus this company sent me this thing. I'm going to make one video about it that I love it, that I use it. I'm never going to touch it again, but you're going to watch this video and you're going to think that it's really good. And then you're going to buy the thing and you're going to think that it's good because I use it when I don't even really use it. I just made a video about it. That's where you don't want to end up. 
At least that's where I don't want to end up because I don't find that helpful. I don't find that genuine. I don't I don't find that as a positive thing. And I think that's something that people struggle with. And so I don't remember how I totally got on that tangent. Um, but it just it just reminds me of, you know, it it's just sort of it reminds me of when I became a teacher. One of the very first things I did when I was like barely starting a teaching credential program was I would go observe classrooms. And I had a couple of friends that were teachers and I would go observe their classrooms and they're really good teachers. And it, you'd be in these classrooms and like everything's amazing. Like students are awesome and the classroom is great and everything's super cool and it's really helpful. And I would make all my notes about what they're doing. But after I did that a couple of times, one of my friends was like, I'm going to actually send you to a couple of other classrooms, <laughs> which were not the the best classrooms. They were the, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of the bad teachers. And that was almost more helpful to go into that situation and go like, oh my God. Because it when everything is working, you don't really know why it's working. But when things aren't working, you can see and go like, oh, this isn't working because, especially when you do have a good comparison to contrast it with, but you can look at that and go like, oh my gosh, like, these students aren't on task because of the way this teacher handled the directions here and the way that, you know, the teacher who had things going well was like constantly walking around the room talking to the students while they're working. The teacher who had the terrible classroom was like uh, sitting at the computer the whole time or whatever. And so seeing what's not working is very helpful sometimes in helping you to develop what will work. And so that's that's why I'm kind of, I don't feel like I'm just complaining, which maybe it is my venting therapy session. If so whatever. <laughs> but uh, it's also, it's really helpful to look at things that even, I, even not to be so objective as to say they aren't working, because this is very subjective, but to say that it's, it's what I don't want, what doesn't seem to work for me personally. I think that's important to identify because then I can lean into what does work, which again, will probably help attract specific people that would be more interested in the stuff that I am making. And and that kind of builds that community or that audience or whatever you want to call it. And I think that that's, that's really the ultimate goal. So I don't mean to just talk trash about things, but I, I do get really annoyed sometimes. And I feel bad for getting annoyed, but there's one specific channel, a big channel, millions of subscribers, that started extremely authentically and now is like almost the exact opposite of that. And it's to the point where like, I don't, I don't really even know why I'm still subscribed to it other than that I have so many good memories and associations with, you know, past videos and past, I, I just, <laughs> with just that, it's just sort of the nostalgia but when you watch something now, this is a perfect example, which kind of got me on the whole thing, is this person, and I just don't want to name name the person, but this person on their channel is so good about, like, they are extremely talented in every, you know, every aspect of production and making a video. Really, really good. And they're really good at presenting videos that have a, like, what I kind of call an aw shucks appeal, where it really kind of does feel like, ah, just made a video for fun and you guys like it and it's cool but there's clearly so much strategy being put into it which is fine there's nothing wrong with that except that it's entirely unacknowledged which 
then makes it seem like you can do these things without having a plan, which I think is detrimental to people who want to try to do those things when they think you don't need you don't need to have this strategy. You don't need to have a plan. And this person is also somebody who is one of those people that I mentioned that has, I don't know what the level of team is, but a team of what seems to be at least, you know, a small handful of people, if not more, kind of helping to manage and put everything together, but just never fully acknowledges it. You know, it's kind of one of those things you just sort of pick up on if you kind of know what to look for and you've been watching enough videos, but it's never fully acknowledged. Like I, I was talking about um, Matty Hapoya and his editor earlier because he was on my subscription thing. There's the person who owns the channel, Maddie, and then there's his editor. And he's super clear that there's an editor. And so some of the stuff you're watching was probably edited by Maddie, and others was edited by his editor. And it's fine. PewDiePie does that. You know, he records videos every day. You know, he seems he's clearly the one making the content. He's the one pressing record, setting up the camera. But then somebody else edits the video, you know, uploads the video, does all that. So there's, and that's, fine like there's nothing wrong with that but but it's acknowledged so that somebody doesn't look at PewDiePie and go like oh my god he's made a video a day every day for like a thousand years or whatever I should be able to do that too and then they can't do it past day six and they're like why can't I do this like well because there's somebody else taking over like half the work and you know that's why so it's not that it would be impossible, but you're you're not setting yourself up on a level playing field for what you're trying to accomplish. In addition to like, obviously, if you're just starting out, you don't have the experience or necessarily the skill set that the other people do. But it really, the one channel that I was talking about, it does drive me crazy because I feel that it is so detrimental because it's it's a highly influential channel that I see. I mean, it has influenced me and my channel. And, you know, I see the influence on countless other channels as well. And knowing that you're creating something that other people want to do their own version of, but you're not being honest with how you're putting it together and how you've come about it is harmful and is not a good thing. And, you know, this specific person I've listened to in different interviews and podcasts and things and you know, when you hear someone tell the same story a couple of times, because sometimes people are on different, whatever, different podcasts, they might tell the same basic story. But there's sort of these key details that's kind of like flip and jump around. And you're like, hmm, that's not just a mistake. That seems like an omission of truth, or at least a bending of the truth. And this has happened enough where now it's like, okay, you are not, you're not being honest with your audience and therefore my respect level is dropping drastically which like you know they don't care but that's what you again going back to what I would want to avoid imagine down the line if there were a thing where I was making so many videos and oh my gosh I really do need help and needed to hire help which is this is not even a goal it's not anything I would want because I enjoy the process of making videos but I would want to be super clear with that so just like right now if you know, if you look at my channel right now, there's clearly like a genre, <laughs> like there's a vague niche there. There's, you know, tech and digital media, but there's also some 3D printing. And sometimes there's just other stuff like, you know, we made a video about how to install a wood plank wall. And I made a video about going to the lights festival with Heather and all, you know, 
trips here and there that are almost like more vlogs than than whatever. And so if those are kind of all over the place, which is totally fine, but if those things get drilled down into a more specific niche, I don't want to pretend that that was on accident. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I accidentally made videos that like complement each other really well. No, that's something that was thought about. Doesn't mean I made videos I don't want to make. That's why I don't do a lot of 3D printing videos. Those videos do really, really well. And I know that if I just switch to 3D printing channel and every video is 3D printing, my channel would grow 10 times as what it does right now. But I don't want to make just 3D printing videos because I like 3D printing. I'm super interested in it. I love making videos about it. But if that's all I made videos about, I would very quickly not want to make videos anymore. And so finding that sustainability is also kind of key. So I feel, I feel bad because I feel like this was maybe too negative and I didn't mean for it to be negative, but it, it's more like what I said, rather than criticizing others, which of course this is all just my own opinion anyway, which is worth exactly what you paid for it. But rather than criticizing others, just finding out what I don't like to help me discover more of what I do like before I go into this consultation tomorrow morning. So um, th that's just basically it. And if you're if you're going into not even a consultation, but if you're starting a channel, it's probably a worthwhile exercise to do. And you know, there's a lot of communities online, Facebook and Reddit and Discord servers and all kinds of stuff where you can get your work critiqued. And I've done that. I've been part of those communities and it is really, really helpful. It's super scary and it's not really what you want to do, but to have outside perspectives on your work and giving you feedback is very beneficial. The only danger is that sometimes you don't necessarily know who's giving you the feedback. And so I think that was the benefit for me and going towards a professional consultation company um, was that I feel like they have a track record of success. And they know how to even, they know how to look at things and look at a larger data set that's going to give me more accurate information from an objective professional third party, which is, which is why I, I wanted to do that. So I'm excited to do that. I'm going to take a whole bunch of notes about it. And then the next episode that you should hear should be a recap of that. So you kind of see where things are going from there. But then also, if that's something that you're interested in doing for yourself, it's it's almost like a documenting, like a, almost like a review video of like, this is the product. This is what I think of it. This was my experience. So that, you know, you can kind of assess the idea for yourself if that's something that you would want to do or something you think would be valuable. The other thing before I go that just sort of tied into this is that last week I talked about, I was super excited that I had just gotten a new camera, which was the EOS R. I've had that camera for a week now. Today, exactly a week. We went on a trip last weekend to Northern California. I used it. Uh, I've been using it a lot. I am really surprised at how much I really like this camera. I've done some side-by-side -side comparisons too with the video and just totally blown away. I talked about this last week, actually. Totally blown away by the video quality, even 1080 versus 1080 against the 6D Mark II, which I will say the 6D Mark II is still my favorite camera because I know it really well. Not only does it give good results, but like I know that it's super reliable. The EOS R, I just haven't been... You know, I haven't had it long enough to know that stuff yet. I haven't had it in those crazy weather conditions and 
travel things. I haven't had any issues with it at all, um, other than getting used to some of the ergonomics and things, which are definitely different, but not bad. But it's a really like, it's hard to describe. And I've seen multiple other reviews sort of say the same thing, but it's like, it's a fun camera to use. And I don't know, I don't know why, but there's just something about using it that feels fun and feels good and is like, it's just, it's a really enjoyable camera. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I'm not bummed out, but part of me thought like, I'll get this camera, I'll check it out. I'll decide it's not, you know, it's not the best thing. And so then I'll send it back and get another 6D Mark II as my second camera, save myself a bit of money by doing that. And I don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm really liking the EOS R. So right now I definitely feel like I want to hang on to that. I have a video that's coming out tomorrow. It'll be my most current video when this podcast goes live, which is about how we do live scream, screams, <laughs> how we do live screams, how we do live streams for high school, the high school graduations, which is more interesting than it probably sounds. So I'm really excited about that. And if you've been listening, you know about the strategy where I'm working to have four videos, like uh, four weeks scheduled in advance. But right now, I'm not making any videos until after the consultation. So I want to go in a direction. So that the video that comes out tomorrow is my last one that I have scheduled. Then I want the consult. And then next week, the video that comes out um, should at least you know have some kind of strategy behind it based on the consultation. But it should also be my first video on the channel film with the EOS R. So... After the graduation video, whatever the next video is, doesn't exist yet, will be filmed with the EOS R, so you can kind of see what that looks like if you notice any difference. If you don't, I'll definitely do a comparison between the two cameras, the 6D Mark II and the EOS R, um, because I think that's a really helpful comparison and a relevant comparison. But anyway, that's basically where we're at there. So that's kind of where I'm at today. I think Heather's going to be back next week for an update. I hope so, um, especially because I want to do a channel review with her. She, more accurately, she offered to help review my channel and critique it. And I'm, I want to have her look at my channel after I have uh, video creators look at it and then sort of take the combination of both those sets of feedback and come up with sort of a plan or, you know, see what, what's working, what's not working etc. She's just feeling under the weather right now. So that's why I'm flying solo today. But uh, thanks so much for listening. If you want to reach out again, I always encourage it. I'm at SodarnTom on all the things. Uh, I even started a new email address. So it's just Tom at enthusiasmproject.com. If you want to send me an email, I totally welcome it. Otherwise, uh, be another podcast next Sunday. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.